0: Blob Talk Radio We believe in the American way And we built this country called the USA And we fly
1: our flag Cause we're proud and free We're American Red, white and blue is our way of life we never back down from a challenge or a fight Nature provides God gives the rights We're American America, amazing America. Oh, yeah. Welcome, Patriots, to our Convention of States podcast titled That Provident Article, a reference given to Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution by James Madison. Our opening theme music is Amazing America, used by permission of Madison Rising, America's most patriotic rock band. And endorsers of the Convention of States Project. This podcast series is a weekly discussion concerning the fifth article of the U.S. Constitution, the amending provision, with a general view on the phrase Convention for Proposing Amendments, and specific focus on the Convention of States Project. For more information regarding the Convention of States Project, please visit www.conventionofstates.com. My name is Paul Hodson and I've been a volunteer with the Convention of States Project in Texas since early 2014. Our goal is to continually educate ourselves on Article 5, to bring timely information relating to the Convention of States Article 5 movement, and to promote the use of Article 5 to rein in our federal government. Our contact information here at That Provident Article, my email address, Texas DC for HD 58 at com. That's Texas D is in district, C is in captain, the number four, H is in house, D is in district, the number five, the number eight at gmail.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is the same at Texas DC for HD 58. You can go to our Blog Talk Radio website, blogtalkradio.com, Texas DC for HD 58. And we're on iTunes now. You can search for that Provident article and you'll find us out on iTunes. A reminder, our call-in number for the call-in portion of the show, 914-205-5632. We're an amazing America! Welcome, patriots. On to the news for the Convention of States this week of September 5th. 2015, we have had a lot of activity and a lot of buzz this week. We're going to go through as quickly as we can. Uh, Again, I invite you to go out to the Convention of States website, conventionofstates.com, drop down to that news bar, and there's a whole list of the stories for the week. Uh, Some of the significant stories. In West Virginia, the Republican Party Executive Committee unanimously endorsed the Convention of States project late last week. And that was after Senator Tom Coburn was invited out to speak, give a presentation. It was enthusiastically received. And then uh, the GOP Executive Committee voted on a resolution, unanimously passed. Uh, This is a great uh, and effective tool for all those uh, supporters out there to use now as they talk to their state legislators. Uh, On to uh, the next story, a Pew Research Poll has reported that 24% of all Americans now view both the Republican and Democratic parties unfavorably. This is a record since that polling began in 1992, a a record low. And how does that affect us? Uh, It is prime time, folks, to begin recruiting folks in in either party who are very frustrated with the response of the government and especially the uh, inability of their local government to thwart the overreach of the federal government. I'd also like to direct your attention to a repost of an article from probably well over a year ago, Michael Ferris answering 16 of the toughest Article 5 questions. Uh, this is a great primer. Uh, and You can use this to anticipate questions you're going to get, to have the solid constitutional answers and historical answers. And Mike Ferris goes through all those in detail. He even gives you uh, attribution where you can go and do some further digging on your own. Uh, The website also has a letter from uh, an American citizen named Peter who emailed us. Uh, He lives in Australia. He's a supporter of Convention of States, has lived in Australia Half his life he said he brings a perspective from abroad, and that email uh, is very encouraging to us to fight and to bring back and restore the republic and the uh, stature of America and its the power of America needed abroad to enforce good and democratic and and republic and I use that in the term of the broad sense republic forms of government around the world uh This Labor Day weekend, we celebrate Labor Day. Uh, We have a report of a 62.6% labor participation rate, a 38-year low. We've had that rate three months in a row. Not since the Carter administration have we been that low. Uh, Maybe even further back, 38, that might have gone even to the Ford administration. There are 94,031,000 Americans who are not in the labor force who are capable of working. Lastly, of course, the big news this week has been the launch of the Mark Levin advertising blitz on his show, uh, and we have seen a definite uptick in activity and signups and supporters. And those of us involved with the convention of states uh, leadership are uh, scrambling as we as we try to work through all these new supporters, uh, get them hooked up with their district captains around the nation. Uh, be patient with us as we work through this. Uh, we're having some growing pains, but this is a good problem to have. Uh, we encourage you to help us out on this. Uh, contact your district captains. Uh, respond back when they when you get a, a welcome email from someone. Respond back. We really want to have a chance to speak with you and find out uh, just what it is that got you interested in the Convention of States and how it is you want to plug in. And I'm going to go ahead and play the very first live ad, which Mark Levin uh, presented on September 1st.
0: We have a brand new wonderful sponsor, and I'm very very excited about this. Citizens for Limited Government. Now, I know you're focused on the election, but even electing a conservative president isn't going to solve all the country's problems. It may not even solve the biggest problems. Now, I've been telling you ever since I wrote Liberty Amendments about calling an Article 5 Convention of States. It's the only solution as big as the problem. We can talk all we want, or we can force D.C. back into its limited role under the Constitution. It's time to call a convention of the states to restrain the scope, power, and jurisdiction of the federal government. I wrote the book. I talked about it. Now it's up to you. And my dear friends Mark Meckler and Michael Ferris have teamed up to run Convention of States Project. Senator Tom Coburn is on board, along with many other prominent conservatives. And I'm so serious about this that I serve on their legal board of reference. And now you need to get on board. Go to conventionofstates.org, conventionofstates.org, and sign up today. We have no choice. We need to do this. And there are millions of us who want to do it. Go to conventionofstates.org and get involved. The country hangs in the balance. It's up to you to make it happen. Conventionofstates.org, sign up today, check it out. Please check it out. It doesn't even take much. Conventionofstates.org. Mark, what can we do? This is fundamentally the recourse that I've written about, that I've talked about. Now we have this wonderful organization that's leading the charge. Conventionofstates.org, please check it out. And I want to thank them all for the wonderful job that they're doing.
1: Boy, isn't it great to have Mark Levin supporting us and advertising for us and that was a great first live spot ad. Uh the wonderful thing about those is that those play as well on his podcast. In fact that's where I pulled that that recording from. Uh so folks who listen to him from iTunes and pull down his podcast can hear his uh promotion of the Convention of States project. Uh just terrific. Okay, our presentation now uh, we go to slide one, and as we as we always begin our presentation, we're going to look at the pertinent information from Article Five of the Constitution as it applies to the Convention of States. The Congress, on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states, shall call a convention for proposing amendments which shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this constitution when ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states or by conventions in three-fourths thereof, as the one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by the Congress. On to slide two. This is our Convention of States application that we have our our template for all the states. Four states have passed this so far. Georgia, Florida, Alaska last year, Alabama this year. Many other states have it in works in uh, one house or the other and in some some. Of the 37 states where it was introduced this year, it has died an untimely death. But uh, we do not give up, and we go forward again, and we will try again next year and the next year. So legislature of the state of fill-in-the-blank there hereby applies to Congress under the provisions of Article 5 of the Constitution of the United States for the calling of a convention of the states limited to proposing amendments to the Constitution of the United States that impose fiscal restraints on the federal government Limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, and limit the terms of office for its officials and for members of Congress. And a quick reminder of the purpose of all of these podcasts they give a lot of detail. Uh, It may seem like slow going, slogging through, trying to provide as many handholds and footholds to scale that wall, (coughs) to be able to um, answer back to the challenges. ...that you get in the opposition to Article 5 from the naysayers. And uh, some folks just need a few handholds and footholds, uh, just like people who are really skilled at climbing a rock wall. And some folks just want a lot, and uh, we're going to give you as much as you need here uh, if you hang with us through the podcast. Slide four. Today we're talking about James Madison being a focal point. And the reason he's a focal point for uh, both those who uh, support a convention of States and those who oppose, is because of some things he said uh, and wrote uh, in his lifetime, particularly uh, from the convention on through until uh, 1798. And there's really three areas in which uh, typical opposition will come. Uh, questions raised during the Article Five discussions. September 10th and September 15th, he both had questions when Article Five was discussed and reworked. How is a convention to be formed? By what rule to side? What the force of its acts? And even after it was uh, proposed and and George Mason had added back that rule, that second mode of amending the Constitution by a convention of the states, uh, you know, a convention to propose amendments, Madison saw no objection except only that difficulties might arise as to the form, the quorum, etc., which in constitutional regulations ought to be as much as possible avoided. Uh, Secondly, you'll hear this objection a lot in in a letter to George Lee Tuberville, November 2nd of 1788. Uh, A portion of that letter is is often quoted, Having witnessed the difficulties and dangers experienced by the first convention, which assembled under every propitious circumstance, I should tremble for the result of a second. You will hear that quoted quite often, uh, written in paper, um, we're going to go into the context of that letter uh, probably in next week's session, certainly not today's session. Um, and then the third, the third point that's brought out is in 1798, uh, the Virginia Resolution of 1798. and This was in protest against the Alien and Sedition Acts, and uh, this uh, pr- produced and uh, presented for the first time the idea of interposition. And that's from this statement here in that uh, very short document and that in case of a deliberate, palpable, and dangerous exercise of other powers not granted by the said compact, meaning the Constitution, the states who are parties thereto have the right and are in duty bound to interpose for arresting the progress of the evil. And we'll dive into the Virginia Resolution probably in two weeks from today, as this will be a a multiple-series presentation. For now, we want to look at the context of the 1787 Constitutional Convention. Uh, Some of this is going to be very familiar if you've listened to several of the other podcasts. We've covered some of this ground in detail, so we're going to uh, gloss over it a little more quickly here on this slide, number five. Uh, The basic point is that the framers were certainly well acquainted with conventions. They were often formed and called to accomplish specific tasks. And we went into detail, we took two episodes, episodes four and five of the... Uh, of the podcast, you can can find those on blog talk radio you can pull those up on itunes uh... the virginia plan was presented on may twenty ninth seventeen eighty seven during the constitutional convention by virginia governor randolph but uh... most scholars agree that it was most likely uh, the vast majority written by madison himself in there it contained a reference for an amending procedure you know provision ought to be made for the amendment of the articles of union whensoever it shall seem necessary, and that the assent of the national legislature ought not to be required thereto. So the Virginia Plan did not specify an actual amending procedure, just the principle that the national legislature should not be required to amend the document. So the first amending article draft wasn't uh, wasn't produced until August 6th, and it provided for an amending convention. Again, those, those previous podcasts covered all of this. Madison's objections were overcome uh, because uh, of two major points here. The nature of conventions was well known to all the framers, uh, as we covered the recent history of conventions in the preceding 13 years. And what's important about that is the idea of established legal doctrine. Uh, When you have a a history and a repeating history of of conventions, uh, something like any type of repeating history on something, think in terms of uh, the right to a jury by your peers and it has to be unanimous, uh, a jury has to be unanimous in order to convict someone, that rule is not written in the Constitution. It does not need to be on in that amendment because that was a legal doctrine already established. Same holds true for the amending convention, the Convention for Proposing Amendments. Established legal doctrine incorporates these customs and protocols. We've covered those. Uh, among those, one state, one vote. Uh, the convention makes its own rules. The commissioners are bound uh, by those who have sent them, their states. It, these customs and protocols are incorporated into the law of the Constitution, and these customs and protocol, protocols were based on uh, gatherings of international diplomats. That's where the idea first was, was formed and where they got their idea for our conventions. Slide number six, Madison in defense of the Constitution. So uh, even though he's asked those questions, here in Federalist 43, and we've covered this one before, he displayed his understanding that an amendments convention is akin to a diplomatic meeting of the states by his explanation here, that the Constitution, quote, equally enables the general and the state governments to originate the amendment of errors, unquote. So the fact that state governments enjoy equality with the federal legislature means that they the states, had to possess the same power to propose amendments that Congress had. So the commissioners of the states, much like diplomats from sovereign nations, both represent and act on the authority of their government. Two central issues, as we get past the the Constitutional Convention itself into the state ratification process, two central issues kept coming up in the state ratification processes, all of the states. Did the Constitution grant undue power to the federal government, and was the language of the Constitution indefinite enough to enable federal officials to exceed or abuse the intended scope of their authority? And Madison saw the state governments providing the principal remedy, as he stated in Federalist 46. Now, I've not printed that here because I'm going to read an extensive section from there. Uh, We are on slide 7, by the way. I think I forgot to mention that. Here from Federalist 46. "...should an unwarrantable measure of the federal government be unpopular in particular states, which would seldom fail to be the case, or even a warrantable measure be so, which may sometimes be the case, the means of opposition to it are powerful and at hand, the disquietude of the people, their repugnance and, perhaps, refusal to cooperate with the officers of the Union, the frowns of the executive magistrate of the state, the governor." The embarrassments, in other words, obstacles created by legislative devices, which would often be added on such occasions, would oppose in any state difficulties not to be despised, would form in a large state very serious impediments, and where the sentiments of several adjoining states happen to be in unison, would present obstructions which the federal government would hardly be willing to encounter. But ambitious encroachments of the federal government on the authority of the state governments would not excite the opposition of a single state, or a few states only. They would be signals of general alarm. Every government would espouse the common cause. A correspondence would be opened. Plans of resistance would be concerted. One spirit would animate and conduct the whole. The same combinations, in short, would result from an apprehension of the federal, as was produced by the dread of a foreign, yoke. And unless the projected innovations should be voluntarily renounced, the same appeal to a trial of force would be made in the one case as was made in the other." Unquote. I know I read a long section there, and what's interesting is that in that, Madison did not explicitly reference the state application and convention process. And why is that? We're going to go into that next week. Uh, it actually leads right into the uh, Tuberville letter. Uh, we're going to cover all of that in the area of the state ratification debates. Uh, The only thing that comes close in there is his uh, general expression, plans of resistance would be concerted. But as you can see, or as you heard from the the reading of that Federalist 46, and if you go back, he did uh, mention quite often that the states would concert together, that there would be consensus among them, that they would band together against the federal government, that one state would see something occurring Uh, A federal government infringing on another state, and they would be alarmed because uh, if the federal government can go after them, uh, why not us? And so there would be a camaraderie, uh, a banding together, uh, concerting together, the words that he used. Okay, that's going to be all that we're going to do on a presentation today. Uh, Slide number eight is our attribution. Obviously, the the Journal of the Debates of the Convention were used, and then Federalist Papers 43 and 46 – Uh, both by Madison, and then uh, a book, and actually a chapter in a book that I uh, have downloaded to my Kindle. It's called Union and States' Rights, A History and Interpretation of Interposition, Nullification and Secession 150 Years After Sumter. Neil Cogan, C-O-G-A-N, is the editor, and I was uh, using extensively Chapter 2, written by Robert Nadelson on James Madison and the Constitution's Convention for Proposing Amendments. Okay, let's open it up for the phones now. Uh, The guest call-in line again is 914-205-5632. We ask that you uh, follow some very simple ground rules. Obviously, speak respectfully. No foul language, no derogatory or defamatory remarks, no shouting or yelling. We want you to keep to the subject, and we want to encourage dialogue. So that means pause and listen to each other so we can have a conversation here as we all are on the same side in attempting to restore our republic and save our nation. And here we are live ready to take some phone calls. Um have nobody on the line at the moment. Uh if nobody calls up in the next minute or so, we'll get on out and, and end the episode. Um just a another reminder, please log in to the conventionofstates.com or conventionofstates.org. The difference between those the uh conventionofstates.org is the one that we have put up for Mark Levin's ads. Uh if you Go through that route to sign up. You will be tagged as somebody who's gone through the promotion from Mark Levin, um, but there's there's no other difference in how you get set up or who you're going to be contacted by. Uh, again, I encourage you if you are signing up, uh, please be ready for an email uh, from your district captain um, and. Please respond you know, favorably, unfavorably, as far as whether you want to be contacted by phone or not. We, we would love to be able to follow up with you folks, find out why you're interested, uh, how it is you want to fit in and help. Um, we need uh, more help out there across the nation and across uh, even here in the great state of Texas, even though we have 26,000-plus supporters and uh, it's growing by – I know yesterday we grew by 70 or 80 uh, in one day – um, we're growing quickly, but we need more help just to, across to to be a broad um, a broad support effort uh, in every district, uh, encouraging our our state legislators to uh, promote this, to promote federalism, uh, to actually give themselves uh, more power and authority, and of course with that more responsibility. Uh, as there are no calls. Um, I'm going to go ahead and close out the episode once again with Madison Rising. And that's a wrap for this episode of That Provident Article. I'd like to thank Madison Rising, America's most patriotic rock band, for playing us out with the Star Spangled Banner. Be sure to visit their website at madisonrising.com and check them out on iTunes or Amazon Music. Also, thanks go out to Mark Meckler, founder and president of Citizens for Self-Governance, and Michael Ferris, head of the Convention of States Project. And more thanks to our state leadership team here in Texas, Don Glacy, our membership coordinator, Martin Harry, our legislative liaison, Tom Dowdy, our coalition's director, and Tamara Colbert, our state director. These patriots have put in thousands of hours of volunteer time for the cause of liberty, and I count it a great privilege to work with them. Because we are the brave. Yes, we are the brave. Like you and me, the name of the friend, we are the U.S. of the